the cost of truth even when it hurts. That's uh, pretty amazing. Uh, a baron from uh, England, 1800s, Thomas uh, Macaulay, said this, and I think it's just a good way to start this whole thing off. The measure of a man's real character is what he would do if he knew he would never be found out. Think about that a minute. What he would do if he knew he would never be found out. That's, uh, you can go a long way with that discussion with somebody that you're close to. You're going to hear me use the word integrity a lot today. And um, obviously, it goes right along with, with, the, with the story, Mario's story, and, and, and uh, what happened and so forth. I thought it might be good, and I actually learned something, not that I don't always, but I, I learned something about this word by looking it up on the, uh, in the uh, what was it, Merriam-Webster Online Dictionary. And here's the, here's the definition from the Merriam-Webster, um, entire, quality or state of being complete or undivided, completeness. And, and I never really thought of, of, of the word integrity meaning completeness. But it, basically then what they're saying, and these are my words now, the lack of integrity is when your heart, your behavior, and your belief beliefs are not whole. They're not complete. They're conflicted with one another. In other words, I'm doing something that I said I wouldn't do. It's not complete. Or... I'm, I'm doing something that my heart's not into, or my heart, is, my, my mind and my motivation is telling me to do one thing and I'm doing something else. So what we're talking about, we talk about integrity, we're talking about a wholeness where my mind is there, my motivation is there, my heart is there, my behavior is there, and my words are there. And it's all together. That's integrity. And the lack of integrity is when I say something that's, that, that's not real, or when I do something that's not representative of what's real inside as well. So really, when you start thinking about integrity that way, I've I got to tell you, I mean, you don't have to be a, a, a person of faith, to be honest. A lot of honest people who, who may not even believe in God, and they can still be honest. But I don't know that you could truly be a person of integrity, where you're talking about everything, your mind, your heart, your, your body, your behavior, your language, is all coming from the same place. If you don't understand who God is and the relationship that you can have with God through Christ, I don't, I don't know that you can do that in a whole, holistic type of way, if I could use that word. Actually, you know, integrity then kind of keeps us uh, prepared. I don't mean this in a flip way in light of the story, but I'm going to say it this way. Um, integrity keeps us prepared for what lies around the corner because we don't know what lies around the corner. As, um, as we heard Mario's story, he didn't know what, when he was turning the corner what was going to happen. And integrity keeps us prepared for that so that we can, are better able to be who we are and the person that God has made us and is making us to be. And by the way, integrity is a process. Please don't ever say, I got it. I'm a person of integrity. I got it down now. No worries. Because you're only, you're only one step away from then not being a person of integrity. And, uh, and that's why Jesus came. And, and listen, we're all there at one time in our lives. That's why Jesus came, to give us forgiveness. And, and then you start back and get back up on that horse and you start saying, okay, I'm still in process of becoming a person of integrity even though, I've, even though I failed here. So it is a process. It's a lifelong process. And it's something of which we need to be ever vigilant for all of us in one way or another. 
Let me take you to this passage that he spoke of. It's so neat when you have these videos where they speak of a, as it was last week was the case as well, when they speak of a particular Bible verse, I can go right there and show it to you. Psalm 15. This is a psalm written by one of my guys, a guy that I just love so much and kind of a soulmate, I think. I think if we had lived at the same time, I would have, we would have been best friends. I don't know. Um, he was a king. I probably would have been a wine taster or something. I don't know. Um, I could do that job. Uh, anyway, King David. Just and This is Hebrew poetry. It's just so good. And, and, and just keep in mind, this is Hebrew poetry. And, and don't, don't, don't get too hung up on some of the things he's saying here. But he, he begins by asking this question. Uh, Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? Basically, who can hang out with you, God? And then he answers the question. Those who lead blameless lives and do what is right. Here's, the, here's, here, here's integrity. Who do what is right, speaking the truth from sincere hearts. Those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends. Those who despise flagrant sinners and honor the faithful followers of the Lord and keep their promises even when it hurts. Those words mean more now, don't they? Even when it hurts. Those who lend money without charging interest and who cannot be bribed to lie about the innocent. Such people will stand firm forever. Just an amazing psalm. Let me back it up. Let me go back, take, take it apart just a little bit. Take a couple minutes just to show you. Uh, each one of these verses just point to something else about integrity. So I'm going to show you about four different things very quickly. And they, they kind of overlap a little bit, but, but that's okay. It's sometimes that's how we learn. That's how we understand things better. First thing is this. Integrity is about behavior. It's not just words. It's about behavior. He tells us that in verse 2. Those who lead blameless lives and do what is right, speaking the truth from sincere hearts. Now, obviously, none of us are always blameless, and that's not what he's saying here. It's to, it's to seek to live that way. And he says that, that's part of integrity, how we live our lives. Not just what we say, but how we live our lives and speaking the truth with a sincere heart. And you don't lie, you're not lying about things or, or whatever. Now, let me take you to the second one because it, it has a lot to do with the first one. Integrity is about speech too. Not just behavior, but it's about speech. Verse 3, he says, Those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends. Always been amazed with you know, how much the Bible talks about if you ever do a study of languages and so forth in the Bible, it's interesting, English language, because some people will really get upset, for instance, if it depends on the culture. Certain words are acceptable in some culture. Certain words are considered dirty in another culture. And people always say, well, you know, how's that? Every now and then I get that because I get a little salty every so often. And somebody says, well, you're a pastor. And I'm like, yeah, well, okay. Here's what the Bible teaches. Actually, a guy, actually, actually, my friend who's been a caddy for me a few times is right down here. He could tell you a few stories, too, right, right here. <laughs> Best caddy at Essex County, and he's leaving us. Anyway, um, he's got a college education now, so, you know, he's got to go do something else. Um, anyway, what about that? What about those languages, words, speech, stuff like that? Here's the issue. Every culture is different, and I don't want to sit here and, and parse words and parse verbs over, over which is, you know, what words are acceptable. Here's what we know. The Bible clearly teaches using the Lord's name is, is wrong. Using the Lord's name in vain is wrong. Clear. We don't really have any question about that. 
Very, very clear in the Bible. The Bible then, but then from there, the Bible talks about, for instance, Ephesians chapter 4 talks about um, harsh language. And then, it's, and, then he, and then he talks about such as malicious gossip. And, uh, and then he goes on to talk about, you know, talking, you know, basically malicious character or slandering people's uh, names and so forth. So, so what we find here is this. We can argue over different words. We know using the Lord's name is, is not something we should do. But then the Bible goes very directly to this thing of gossip. Here's, here's the little antinomy for me. As I, I've heard all my life people in church arguing over whether they could you know, say this word or that word and, yet, and judge others for maybe using language that they thought might be inappropriate and then turn around and gossip like a bunch of freaking gossip columnists about somebody else. And, not, and, of course, do it in language. They wouldn't use any salty language and think that's okay. The one thing I know the Bible teaches, that's not acceptable, you know. We can argue about cultural words, but that's not acceptable. The Bible's so clear about that. And here's just an example. If this verse were written today, verse 3, those of us who refuse, show it again, those who refuse to gossip, okay, so who's going to come into God's house? Those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends or read Us magazine. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> Why is it? Okay, if you read Us, I apologize. I'm not just picking on you. I ha- I've only seen it on the checkout counter, and there have been a couple of times when some lady in front of me um, has a hard time counting because I always go to the one where it's six things or less, you know. And I don't know, some of these people's math skills are worse than mine. I mean, it's like, are you kidding me? And one time I joked, I said, they had this lady in front of me, she had like 15 items, and, uh, and it was like six things. And I, you know, my mouth, open mouth. I, I just said, hey, I bet you count by two, don't you? She didn't see the humor in that. She didn't see any humor in that. I thought it was funny. I'm just being funny, being, you know. Anyway... The uh, clerk got a good, good kick out of it. But anyway, and I, every now and then standing there, I will, I will pick up one of those magazines, you know, read about so-and-so doing so-and-so, and I'll pick it up because I'm waiting, you know, and I'm like, and inevitably when I do that, I kind of step back and I look around and think, who's watching me, you know? <laughs> I feel like I'm doing something dirty, you know? Um, gossip is a big business. It's easy to do. And, and there are many ways that that is done. I just use that magazine as an example. I'm not saying if you read the magazine, you're in sin or something. But, but, you know, at some point in time, you know, it really doesn't matter. It's none of my business what Brittany's up to next or whomever it happens to be. Um, the Bible clearly teaches this. You, need to, you, you don't need to participate in that. And a person of integrity, a person who's complete and has their heart and their mind and their, and their behavior and their mouth their speech, all, all complete, coming from the same place. You're not going to participate in that kind of stuff. It's just, there's no, there's no, there's no need to. Integrity is about behavior. It's about speech. Integrity is about lifestyle. What he says in verse 4, those who despise flagrant sinners and honor the faithful followers of the Lord and keep their promises even when it hurts. I think we've seen the great illustration of that. Lifestyle also involves the money. Look at verse 5. Those who lend money without charging interest and who cannot be bribed to lie about the innocent, such people will stand firm forever. 
He is not saying, and be careful with this verse because some people get a little crazy and they come away. They say, see, it's wrong to charge, it's wrong for you to loan me money and you for you to charge interest. That's not what he's saying at all. He's talking about basically usury in the Old Testament. He's talking about rich people just really, just, just taking tremendous advantage. I mean, basically, he's much like, not exactly, but much like what a loan shark would do in our culture. You know, charge you 20% interest because you got the money and this poor guy doesn't. And they're doing that in the name of God and so forth. That's a loose illustration. But I mean, that's, he's not saying that don't take from that verse, well, if I loan you money, I can't charge you interest. There's certainly nothing biblically sinful about loaning money to a friend and saying, why don't we just you pay me the interest that uh, whatever the going interest rate is or whatever it happens to be. There's one of our college kids telephone. You see, in college, they don't really understand the whole concept of silencing cell, uh, cell phones. And uh, <laughs> I know. Anyway, sorry. Um, it cost you $100 in the golf course. Um, the, all, the, all, the, all this verse is saying is, is, that, is that deal. Just, just don't be abusing people financially just because you have the money. And, and, and here, it, it, we could, let, me, let me put it to you real quick, real easy terms. Um, if you come to church, I understand you, some of your businesses do business with other people. I understand all that. If you come to church, this church or any church, I don't care, and your purpose is to, to grow your, your business you, you, you need to stay at home, okay? That's not the purpose of church. And, and you're talking to a guy who's a little been skewed by it for 30, in 30 years of having to deal with it. You know, when they have to call in the pastor to settle a business, which has happened to me more times than you can possibly imagine, when they have to call in the pastor to settle a business problem, A, you've got a huge problem with this pastor because I didn't have business 101. And I'm like, you guys are so screwed up, you have to call me in to settle a business problem. That, that's a problem. Right there. Just academically, that's a problem. B, why can't you work this out yourself? Because somebody lied. Somebody did this. Somebody deceived. And if, if this verse is referring to anything, that's the kind of thing that it's referring to. Is when, when the finances get mixed in with your whole motivation of being supposedly a church to learn more about God or explore your faith or find out more about that. Integrity is about behavior, it's about speech, it's about lifestyle. Integrity is about authenticity. It's about authenticity. Here's what I mean. At the root of integrity is authenticity. That's the root of it. And here's what I mean by that. Without authenticity, you can lie to yourself. I've known, just like you have, people who've lied. Most of the time, that starts out by lying to themselves. So that, because they don't want, they're not going to tell a lie unless they can first figure out how to, you know, how to lie to yourself. That happens because of the lack of authenticity. Without authenticity, you, you, can, you, can, lack, you can lack a, a certain self-awareness of being able to see your faults and your faux pas and the, and the weaknesses in your, own, in your own character and so forth. If you, don't have, if you don't have authenticity, you can't see that. Without authenticity, uh, you can be so self-deluded that you even might even redefine common use of words at times. This is where God can step in and keep us ever mindful of this thing called integrity. And sometimes God will use other people to help us be aware of that. Sometimes God will use that still small voice back of your mind, conscience, some call it conscience, where God just, you know, and that, that's, that's happened to me a couple of times, not, not too long ago. I have, um, 
a natural bent, not maliciously, but a natural bent because I'm an optimistic type of person. I have a natural bent toward rounding numbers up. And somebody says to me, how many people were there Thursday night? I might say something like, oh, about 20. And, and, and so I was in a meeting, somebody said, that. how many people were there on that one particular thing? I said, oh, about 20. And then I looked at another person and said, how many people were really there? And my friend said, oh, like 16.5. I mean, he, that's the way he is. That's the way he thinks. He's sick. But, but, um, um, but see, I wasn't being purposely, but this is the key, I wasn't purposefully trying to distort the facts. I'm just rounding off, but I'm rounding up every time. And not to make myself look good, just, just the way I think. But then it hit me, that's not the good thing, Rich. When somebody asks you how many people were there Thursday night or Sunday morning, you need to give an answer where somebody's not, you're not going to be questioned because of your bent, because of your tendency. So when somebody says, how many people were there Sunday morning? Well, yeah, about a thousand people, that's what I saw. <laughs> that's what I saw, that's what I recall. Obviously, that's an exaggeration. So, so, but, but even if your intentions weren't bad, if you weren't trying to do anything, just, the, just for the sake of integrity. You know, and that was one of those things that, that God, I don't, didn't hear any voices or anything, but that still small voice in the back of, your, back of your head somewhere. You know, you need to be accurate. You need to strive to be more accurate. It doesn't matter that you didn't intend to, to distort the facts in your favor. It doesn't matter that your intention was good. It doesn't matter. You need to have accuracy in terms of authenticity, in terms of integrity. So sometimes God will use those kind of things, and it's important because it's also about our life. So that's, that's, that's the point here. Integrity is about behavior. It's about speech. It's about lifestyle. It's about authenticity. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to take you back to Psalm chapter 15. And I want to just read in, in the, the message paraphrase. Um, I, love, I love the message paraphrase. It is not a study Bible, and, and, and it's, it's more of a commentary than it is really a Bible. But it, it, it just sort of is very illustrative, and I, I enjoy reading it. And, and you'll see what he does with, with it. You, since we've read it in the uh, New Living, then you're going to watch it in the message here. Read it in the message, and you'll just see what he does with this. So here David asks the question, God, who gets invited to dinner at your place? How do, I, how do you get on that guest list? <laughs> How do we get on that guest list? And here's his answer. I love this is this is this is this is the way I think. Straight bullet points. Boom, boom, boom. That's why I love this. Watch this. Walk straight, act right, tell the truth, don't hurt your friend, don't blame your neighbor, despise the despicable, and keep your word. Even when it costs you. An honest living. Make an honest living. Never take a bribe. And you'll never get blacklisted if you live like this. Now, he's saying what he's talking about here. You'll never get blacklisted from God's house. You may get blacklisted from some club. <laughs> he speaks the truth. We don't want him in here, you know, or, or, or some other thing. But that's his point. I just walk straight, act right, tell the truth, don't hurt your friend, don't blame your neighbor, despise the despicable, keep your word, when it, even when it costs you, make an honest living, never take a bribe. Right there. That's all the wisdom you need. Right there. I mean, this is so good. Bacon, uh, Sir Francis Bacon, I love, I love his stuff. He's old and one of the, kind of, kind of one of, I don't know if they call him one of the ancients, but he's close. Um, great philosopher, writer, man of faith. Sir Francis Bacon said this, It's not what we eat, but what we digest that makes us strong. Not what we gain, but what we save that makes us rich. Not what we read, but what we remember 
that makes us learned. Not what we profess, but what we practice that gives us integrity. Not what we profess, but what we practice that gives us integrity. Look at that again. Not what we profess, but what we practice that gives us integrity. Doesn't matter what you profess or say. It's how you live your life. You know, God's looking for a few good women and men. God's looking for people of integrity. He's looking. I'm going to emphasize that. He's looking for people of integrity. God is. I love this. Love this. Look what Peter says. I want to close with this. Peter says this in 1 Peter 3. For the Scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, you want to to enjoy life and see many happy days? I'm in. Not yes, but heck yes. Um, If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. Now watch this next verse. This is a this is a amazing verse. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. God's just looking for people who have integrity to help them, to strengthen them. And that's why Jesus came. Why he lived and suffered and died and rose again to give us the ability to live in such a way that's just not only better in terms of enjoying life and happy days, but it's going to please God. That's why Christ came. And we seek to live like that as we trust in Him and in His power. Let's pray together. God, we, we, are, um, we are blown away by this story that we have seen and heard today. And we are more blown away by the truth that you love us, that you came and lived and died and rose again to give us an ability to live lives that are going to honor you. Pray that you give us the ability to do that. We thank you for that ability in Jesus' name. Amen.